Welcome to the Kids Are People Too podcast. I'm your host, Salita Williams, wife, mom of three little people, educator by both passion and profession, child advocate, parent consultant, and an enthusiastic supporter of you on your positive parenting journey. If you've ever questioned if your parenting methods are effective, if you've ever wished that you had just a few more tools in your proverbial parenting toolbox, or felt like you needed a slight adjustment to your parenting style, or a major one, no judgment here, then you are definitely in the right place because this podcast was curated just for you. Now, this is not your typical parenting podcast. It's actually probably one of the most unconventional parenting podcasts out there. We are not spending our time talking about how to get your kids to eat their veggies. Here, we are doing much deeper dives. Of course, we're going to talk about how to get these kids together, but we'll do that by discussing the facts that surround child developmental psychology as well as child cognitive development timelines so that we are better able to manage our expectations. We have conversations about how our own temperament, our own personality, and our own past experiences shape our approach to parenting and the significant impact that these things have on the way that our children respond to us. While this podcast has been created with parents in mind, it is not just for parents. This is for any adult that interacts with any little people in any capacity. Even if you don't yet have your own biological children or if you're not yet experiencing any challenges with your children, you can still definitely benefit from having some extra tools in the toolbox that are ready when you need to grab them. So if you are ready to learn, to grow as a person and a parent, or to just be reassured in what you're already doing, then stick around as we jump into today's episode. Hi guys, welcome to episode two of the Kids Are People 2 podcast. Today we are talking about the importance of intentionally responding to our children rather than just mindlessly reacting to them. We'll talk about why it's so hard for us to do this and I'll give you a few mindful ideas to consider that can be really helpful if you're making an honest effort to be more responsive and less reactive. This is essential if your goal is to have a strong, positive relationship with your child, and I know it is, or you wouldn't be listening right now. So let's get into it. If you're wondering what I mean by responding versus reacting, or if you're thinking that, wait a minute, aren't those two basically the same thing? I get it. We really do use these terms interchangeably often, but in terms of parenting or just interacting with other people in general, there is a very profound difference. It's not just semantics, especially if we're talking about dealing with a difficult situation. When we react to our children, we are letting their behavior, which is most likely very emotionally driven, dictate our own behavior. And this usually happens subconsciously or without us even thinking about it. If they have an attitude or we feel disrespected, now we're bringing a confrontational and aggressive energy to the situation instead of a calming one. If they slam the door too hard and that triggers us, now we're yelling while we stomp through the house trying to get to their room as quickly as we can. 
If they're crying because someone did something mean to them, now we're upset before we even know what actually happened. This is what it looks like when we don't take a moment to decide what we're going to say and what we're going to do. And instead, we just allow our actions to be based on whatever we feel. So if reacting is on one end of the spectrum, then on the other end is responding. And responding happens when we take a moment to regulate our own initial response before we say anything or before we do anything. Now, I'm sure that we would all like to believe that we usually respond rather than react, but the reality is that many of us do not, especially not every single time. Unless we've trained ourselves to have a level of discipline that compels us to slow down and carefully decide how we will respond to things, or unless this is just our natural disposition or temperament anyway, then it can be really difficult to think before we say or do anything when emotions are involved. It can be really hard not to react. This takes extremely hard work and commitment to growth. We just have to remind ourselves of our why and that keeps us going. If our first reaction is to yell, spank, and punish, but we don't stop long enough to think and to redirect our own energy in a more positive direction, then the reaction that we'll be met with from our child is much more likely to be negative and to be fueled by just as much or maybe more emotion as our own response. And this will only make the situation worse and make it harder to resolve. And if this happens continuously, it can lead to a breakdown in the connection. So let's talk about how it looks when we react versus when we respond. Let's say that your child is upset. They didn't get their way about something. So they've rolled their eyes. They're sighing and breathing hard. And then they walked away while you were still talking. A reaction would be immediately without hesitation, you pop them and say, who do you think you're talking to and walking away from? I know you don't have an attitude with me. What is your problem? That's a reaction. A response happens after you take a deep breath or a couple to kind of get yourself together. You do need to acknowledge that what they did pissed you off while you also acknowledge that they were also upset. And that their behavior was just an immature expression of their emotions, which was most likely age appropriate for their level of development. When you have this awareness, it may lead you to respond and say something like, I know you're upset. I totally understand how frustrating it is to constantly be told no. Honestly, I just really cannot let you do A. But what about B? Or do you have something else that you would like to do instead? And then after they're more calm, then you can address their behavior. You can be honest and tell them that, hey, the way you behaved earlier was just totally unacceptable. And then you can talk about more appropriate, respectful ways for them to process and release their emotions in the future. But we have to remember that our first priority is always going to be to get them calm and get them back to a regulated state. And this is before we address their behavior. This is for two reasons. One, this will strengthen our connection because it shows that we really see them as people and we care about their feelings. 
We care about them so much that we're responding to their emotions before their behavior. And it just makes sense anyway, because we know that their behavior is nothing more than a display of their emotion. And then two, it's important to help them find a place of emotional balance and stability because they can't hear us or even begin to process what we're saying to them when they're still feeling dysregulated and experiencing such intense emotions. I mean, think about how you've felt in an emotionally tense situation. Now, imagine a person trying to tell you how you should be handling things better while you're still in that situation. In that moment, what they're saying is most likely not going to get through. It's not going to resonate. But once you calm down, then you're a lot more likely to see how they were right. Kids are the same way. They are just little people. We can't expect them to handle an emotional challenge with more grace and more calm than an adult would. Let's look at another scenario. Imagine that your child failed another math test. A reaction would be, I know you did not fail another test. I told you to study. What is wrong with you? Well, if you can't study and keep your grades up, then you don't have to worry about that dance next week and you don't have to worry about the football team. That's a reaction. A response after you've taken a deep breath and you've gotten out your frustration with this child in school and you may say something like, I've noticed that you've been working really hard on math lately, but you're still struggling with it. Maybe we need to talk to your teacher to see what resources she can suggest. Or if you know they haven't been working hard and they haven't really been applying themselves, then you may say something like, I've noticed that you haven't really studied as much as you should and you have another test with a pretty low score. I know you're capable of so much better than this. So what does this tell you about studying and taking school seriously? What can we do moving forward? If you take that approach, it can open up a conversation that can be helpful and meaningful versus the reaction is just going to cause them to shut down. Imagine that your child spilled juice all over the floor and broke your favorite glass. A reaction may be, oh no, look what you did. What happened? Were you not being careful? Oh my God, it was my favorite glass. Go, go sit down somewhere. Get out my face. Go sit down somewhere. That's a reaction. A response may be, oh no, not my favorite glass. It's okay, baby. Accidents happen. Let's get this cleaned up. Do you need my help or can you handle it? Let's look at one more. Imagine that your children are running and playing and being loud, typical kid behavior, but you have a headache. A reaction might be for you to yell, y'all sit down somewhere. I have a headache and I don't want to hear all that. If you can't keep it down, then you need to just go to your room or go outside and play or something. I do not want to hear all this noise. That's a reaction. A response might be something like, guys, come here, please. Hey, listen, I have a really bad headache and loud noises are making me feel even worse. Can you guys watch a movie or do something that's a little bit more quiet, please? Or you can go outside and play and that way you don't have to worry about being so loud. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. In those scenarios, do you think reacting or responding will get you the most desired effect? Reactions, as you can probably tell by now, are typically fueled by emotions. 
But the problem is that emotions are not always rational. In fact, they're usually not rational. We can't rely on them enough to let them drive our behavior. Emotions are so fleeting and honestly, they just cannot be trusted. So when we find that we're having an emotional response to our children, we just have to be a little bit more intentional about recognizing the emotion and pausing to just take a deep breath, think, regulate ourselves, and then act. Responses are all about giving ourselves a moment to gather our thoughts before we say or do anything. And this extra time allows us to do some reasoning and allows us to actually take our child's feelings and their thoughts into consideration, which obviously will lead to us just being more thoughtful and more controlled and make the interaction more meaningful and more purposeful. When we react, we give our children permission to express their emotions without criticism and guilt, without shame or being punished. And most importantly, without us taking what they're doing so personally that we make it all about us and how we feel while we simultaneously hijack their moment to feel and their moment to be supported and to feel unconditional love. Responding is balanced, it's objective, and it's not emotional. It's helpful and it's encouraging. This is what creates the space that we can use to help guide them through their own big emotions. If we can keep ourselves regulated, then we're in position to teach our children how to self-regulate so they can respond to situations rather than reacting. I mean, they need to know too. This is not just a parenting strategy. Being able to respond thoughtfully instead of reacting is honestly just a basic interpersonal skill that every person should have. Now, I will admit that it is easier to get away with not being as strong in this area as you should be when you don't have a whole human that you've partnered up with to live and do life with whom you've also created other little humans for whom you're responsible for protecting, for making provisions, for teaching and bonding every single day. These skills become a little bit more necessary when you're a spouse and even more necessary when you're a parent. So with that being said, let me give you some ideas to consider as you embark or continue on your positive parenting journey. What you'll learn is that I am very much a list person. I love a good list, especially if I can check things off. So today on my list, I have three items to discuss. So first is self-awareness. It is so helpful for us mentally and emotionally if we see each challenging interaction as an opportunity to learn and to grow. If we notice that we are reacting or overreacting, then that is the perfect time to learn something about ourselves. When we practice self-awareness in this way, then we're able to be more introspective, which leads to us understanding ourselves on a deeper level. We can then take the things that we learn and we can process those in a meaningful way. And now we've moved into the art of self-reflection. And from there, we can gain insight about how we need to maneuver based on what we've learned and understood about ourselves. When we do this type of reflection, we begin to notice our triggers and we begin to notice our emotional and our behavioral patterns. So let's talk about science for a second. 
The amygdala is a part of our brain that is responsible for our emotions, our instincts, our memory, among other things. And the prefrontal cortex is a region of the brain whose main functions primarily include reasoning, problem solving, impulse control, things like that. So you may be wondering, why is this important and what does this have to do with anything? Well, it's important because anytime you're triggered, your amygdala is activated and your brain jumps into go mode. It senses that there's some type of threat and it jumps into fight or flight. But when we're aware of our triggers and the things that make us tick, the knowledge of those things sends an alert to our prefrontal cortex that a reaction is coming and it gets us more prepared to intervene and stop that reaction before it occurs. So information and preparation is important because the simple act of awareness means that the prefrontal cortex is activated and it's already working to suppress the amygdala's urge to react. This allows us to hit the pause button and take a few seconds to interrupt the information going to the amygdala and it kind of reroutes it to the prefrontal cortex which allows us to rationally take over the control of our thinking, our emotions, and our behavior. This is key. The second thing is managing our expectations of ourselves. What do we really expect from ourselves as parents and as people? We have to be clear about this because usually this has a huge impact on the way that we show up in our own lives and in our children's lives. Are we putting too much on our plates? Do we not have enough on our plates? Um, Do we have an overly idealistic vision of the way that things should be? Are we creating unachievable standards for ourselves to live up to? When we do these things, it may lead to us being irritable, impatient, or snappy. If we set unrealistic goals for ourselves, or if we don't set reasonable benchmarks for our more hefty goals, Then it creates chaos within, which spills outward into our lives and begins to impact our relationships. So when we manage our expectations for ourselves, it really keeps us more grounded and more balanced. And it is in this space that we're more likely to be able to slow down and be more thoughtful in our responses. Last on the list is managing the expectations that we have of our kids. Do we consider their age? Do we consider their temperament? Do we consider the skills that they actually have at the time? Are they reasonably capable of doing what we expect of them? Sometimes it's really just our own unreasonable expectations that lead to us being disappointed and causes us to react rather than to respond. We have to remember that our children are just like adults in the sense that they get tired, they get upset, They get sad. They can have bad days too and just really not be in the mood. And when we remember that their behavior usually has nothing to do with us, and when we remind ourselves that children that act out are really just having a hard time, it makes it easier for us to respond to their needs and to help them through the negative behaviors rather than reacting and punishing them because of their emotions. We just have to be more intentional about giving our kids grace, the same level of grace that we would give anyone else. Now, I know that this is hard work. It's not really hard knowing what to do, 
but the hard work comes in when we have to actually execute. We can easily learn helpful and effective tips for parenting in a way that is not combative and not aggressive or fear-inducing. The hard part is regulating ourselves enough to be able to implement what we know in all situations. The hard part is overcoming our natural disposition and our natural temperament and being more controlled and disciplined in our approach to our kids. Are you naturally easygoing, laid back, or have a go-with-the-flow personality? If so, then your transition to parenting in a more gentle and respectful way will be easier than it is for someone who's more rigid. Our personality traits definitely impact how we respond to our children. And it takes a lot of work to change our behavior and the way that we express ourselves. But this work is so necessary. The level of self-discipline and self-awareness and work that is required for us to revamp our parenting approach and make it something that is effective and make it something that will lead to healthy bonds with our children. That is what turns a lot of people away and causes them to fall back into the yelling and the spanking because that's what they know and that's what feels more comfortable. This work is intentional. This work is mindful. This work requires our presence. But our kids deserve it, right? Okay, so that is it for today. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can receive alerts when new episodes drop. And please leave a five-star review. Also, make sure you've joined the Kids or People to Parenting group on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at KAPT Podcast. As you go throughout the remainder of this week and into the next, remember that it's hard to help our kids regulate themselves when we are dysregulated. Think about that common saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. Well, the same is true in parenting. We cannot teach our kids healthy ways to manage their emotions and their misbehavior when we struggle with emotion regulation ourselves. Give yourself grace, and most importantly, Give your kids grace and the space to learn and to grow. We'll talk next week. Later. Later.